The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey y'all, it's Vaught Harris here with another Panther Rants podcast. I'm doing another re-recording because you know I had one almost done, but I had a uh, little road rage incident just a little bit ago. And initially I thought it was cute, but I didn't want to have a, you know, any of that stuff on a podcast because none of you need to listen to it. It was going to go because, you know, I had it sucked because I had a good half hour in, into it. But, you know, it was a lot of rambling, a lot of other crap, so... You know, this gives me a chance to do it over and make it a little more condensed, make it a little more clear. And you guys get to be on your way. Okay, starting off. You know, we cap off a nice little interesting weekend of college football. And, you know, Pitt obviously, starting off, they took out UVA 31-14. Like I said, I wasn't buying UVA's record you know, they were 5-2 and two and they were 2-1 and one overall in ACC because they really haven't played anybody. You know, they play Boise State, but that's that's not the same Boise State as we all remember. Nope. Not at all. But, um, the running game picked up where it left off. I mean, they, they put up, you know, almost 300 yards like they did last week, the week before, but Darren Hall went over 100 yards. Scored a touchdown. Quadrant Olsen even chipped in a touchdown. So that worked out. Special teams, Quadrant Henderson took one of the house. Obviously, he still got the juice on special teams. We were hoping a lot from him at wide receiver, but it just ain't going to happen. And it's not all on him. We just don't have a good situation at quarterback right now, which is unfortunate. But, uh... You know, Ben DiNucci, on the other hand, did enough to help us out. I mean, he didn't light up the scoreboard or anything like that, but he protected the ball. Made throws. Oh, there wasn't too many of them, but... Obviously, you know, especially on third downs, he threw the ball up, and, you know, sometimes the receiver came down with it. Sometimes we got a pass interference call. So, you know, that kind of helped out. Defensively, they kicked ass. You know, what was funny was a lot of the publications were picking us to lose because our defense supposedly was bad. And you, and you could tell none of them really watched, really watched Pitt this year, or lately at least, because the defense was bad because they weren't getting any rest. You know, when you can't move the ball on offense, your defense gets tired. So... This week wasn't the case. So Pitt's up to four and five. They got three games left. Next, you know, next Thursday they got. They're off this Saturday, but next Thursday they go against North Carolina, which should be a sure win. And you know, it's, it's time they break that hex. And the time is now. Break it. Get it done. Win it. Go five and five. Then you got two games left, and I still think Pitt's not gonna make a, make a bowl game. But I could be wrong. But they're gonna, but they got two tough games ahead of them after after North Carolina. And that's Tech, 
and Miami. Surprisingly, the short win out of these ones, the, th- the one I think people would likely win would be Miami because I don't buy their record. They're top 10, but they, again, they haven't played anybody and they've won a lot of close games. So I'm not buying, I'm not buying Miami. I think we'll lose the Tech because it's not the same Frank Beamer team as we know him because Frank Beamer isn't there anymore. Justin Fuentes is there. So, of course, Bud Foster's there, but of course, there's a different head coach. So, different brains. But, uh, you know, I followed the games. You know, I had family in town, but I followed the games, you know, online. And, you know, I watched it. You know, I was streaming when I could. And, you know, I rewatched the games afterwards. Especially the Penn State Ohio State game I did as well. I was hoping the podcast Monday, because I was off. But, of course, I came down with food poisoning late Sunday. And... I spent my day, my my supposed recovery day off from my family's in town because my family's in town. They take they they try to take five days of activities and stretch and squeeze them in two days, and it's almost like European vacation. You know that movie where uh, Clark has them all over the place trying to see all these attractions, and then Audrey just passes out. That's what that was like for from you know for me and my kids. <clears throat> After a while, it just go on your, you know, it just gets on your nerves, and you just want to sit down and relax. And by the time you sit down and relax, you have to get back up again. Anyways, I love them. I'm glad they came down. Kids had a great time, except for me when I had to, you know, be on the toilet all day. But um, Hey, at least uh, we got to see a pit win. They won two in a row and got a chance for three in a row. So, a lot to feel good about. I mean, as long as Pitt can keep running the ball and they can get some sort of production out of their quarterback position, out of their, you know, passing game, it can work. It's just, uh, after North Carolina, it's just going to get really, really tough. To say the least. So, we got that. And also, we go to the um, recruiting aspect where Pitt lost Quantel Reigns to West Virginia. Quantel is probably all, all, always headed there, and you can thank Matt House for all that when he, you know, when he botched the whole Drayvon Henry recruitment, and it created this whole like little West Virginia pipeline, a clip of the West Virginia pipeline. And, of course, Quantel said there was some pressure to go to Pitt. And I guess he didn't like it. And, of course, he doesn't like, if he doesn't like pressure, he can go to West Virginia. Because there's really going to be no pressure there at all. I mean, West Virginia, you're going to... Especially on defense, you're going to give up a lot of points in the, playing in the Big 12. No pressure, really. I mean, really, no pressure. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna play on defenses that give up a lot of points, that surrender a lot of points. So what's the big? what's the purpose? Right? So, he gets to play on defenses that give up a lot of points. And, uh, you know, they may make some bowl games. They do, they have, and they may win 10 games here and there. But they're not ever going to win the Big 12, let alone compete for a championship ever. Pick at least compete for a division, and then, uh, of course, get to the conference title game. They've had opportunities. It just pieces just don't seem to come together for them. 
So, oh well. Good luck to them. Bye-bye. And now we got the weekend that was. Penn State, Ohio State. Well, you know, I followed it online here, here and there when I had a chance, and I saw that, you know, Saquon Barkley took the took the kickoff for a touchdown, and pretty much you can say then and there, you know, give them the Heisman. It was looking really good for them. There, they, had, you know, then he, then you know, there was there was our time I saw him where he just took one to the house and it was twenty one three, Penn State. And I figured that game was in the books, and it was thirty twenty seven with like five minutes left. And I figured that game, you know, they were you know, it was over. Ohio State just couldn't do it. Then a text message comes up on my screen saying Ohio State wins, F Penn State. And I'm like, what? Sure enough, I'm refreshing the screen, and yep, final. Ohio State 39, Penn State 38. And I sent some emails to my Penn State buddies asking, what the hell happened? And pretty much all of them got, pretty much the whole consensus was Joe Moorhead is not a head, is not head coach material and really should go back to Fordham. So obviously, uh, Moorhead obviously cost him this game. And you know, like I said, his play calling. One thing I've, I've one thing that kind of irks me about him is his play calling. That's all. You know, that's what always got me. And I always thought his play calling was going to come and bite them in the ass, which it did, of course. They come back to bite them. Because if you remember USC, the Rose Bowl game, it looked like they were just going to win that game, pull it off. And of course... Or at least going to overtime, and you know, you know, you know, those two consecutive pass plays. If you remember, the first pass play, Trace Bissorimus gets picked off, right? And you figure they're just going to take the knee and go into overtime. Nope, he calls another pass play, and what happens? McSorley gets picked off. And uh, you know, the complaint was, you know, with the Ohio State game, is it just didn't seem like he. he Got the, got the. He didn't try to get the ball in the hands, but you know, in the Saquon Barkley enough. That's been one thing that's always hurt me about about um, Moorhead is he had chances to really put us away in those games, but it, it seemed like he was so hard up to have Trace McSorley throw the football and put the ball in his hands, and it's like, dude, you got. A Heisman Trophy running back. Well, you know he hasn't won the Heisman yet, but he's a candidate. I said, why aren't you getting him the football, or at least getting the ball in his hands? You know, you know, against Pitt. You know, finally in the second half against Pitt, he did, and then, you know they were able to pull away. But to me, it just didn't seem like he did enough in that game to uh, 
get, you know, Barkley the ball, give him space. And it just seemed like he was going to win this game with Trace McSorley. And, of course, Ohio State eventually unleashed the hounds on him. And that was that. <laughs> so, again, the play calling is what did it. Again, and McSorley is not a bad quarterback. He's serviceable. But a lot of times he gets bailed out by his receivers when, with some of the throws he makes. You know... But it seems like when Penn State finds ways to lose games, they do they do in a colossal fashion. And that was one of them. And, of course, they're only like seventh in the college football rankings for playoffs. Ohio State's sixth, you know, despite, you know, it's because basically, you know, what's obvious, you know, Ohio State has, has an excuse. They have a loss to Oklahoma. Penn State really hasn't played anybody. And they pretty much, you know, they you know they have Michigan State next week, and you know State has a good defense, but that's about it. You know, Penn State could win, could actually win out. You know, hope for a higher State loss, but I don't, you know, I don't see Penn State getting in the top four at all. It's gonna, it's gonna take a lot. You know, and their strength of schedule just doesn't help them. But uh, yeah, looking on the rest of the week, rest of that weekend. I mean, pretty much that was the game of the week of the weekend, the game, and it was a great game. It looked, I mean, the game lived up to its billing. You know, I did I did watch West Virginia and um, Oklahoma State. You know, obviously, it seemed like Oklahoma State had that game put away early, but in typical West Virginia fashion, they came back and came up short. You know, Wake Forest had a big win, obviously. They beat Louisville. And uh, they march on. I mean, they're having a heck of a season, you know. Boston College is marching on. I was, you know, I can, I, I mean, I'll admit I was very hard on Boston College, but. They really uh, made an asshole out of me. Excuse my language. So good for them. Good for Adazio, you know, because he had that dude, that uh, dude slogan. We're gonna be dudes. But uh, you know, Louisville keeps on uh, on its decline. And it could happen to a better group of people. You know, f them. But uh, as far as the rest of the college football world was this weekend, I mean, it wasn't really a whole, any, anything else too exciting going on. You know, like I said when I did the preview, I said that, you know, most of your big games are early in the day. And I said at nighttime, it's like, well, it's one of those things where if you really want to watch, if you're really hard up for college football, turn it on. Otherwise, if you got other things you want to do, just go do them <laughs> because there's really nothing too exciting. But um, we got college football coming up. Well, not college football. College basketball is on on the horizon soon. 
and uh, obviously with Pitt, we have pretty much I mean, I mean, it's like the major league where, like, uh, you're reading off the names of all these basketball players, and you never heard half of the half of them. And you got the groundskeeper saying they're 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 shitty. And we don't know that for sure yet. And who knows? Maybe maybe we'll have a um, maybe we'll have you know like a season like major league, like when major league where we. we where we suck at the beginning and somehow we just we win the ACC tournament or something like that and get, and get to the uh, NCAAs it's possible isn't it probably not but anyways that's coming up I guess I'll close it here because there's not, not much else it's funny because this, my first podcast was almost over half hour long because I rambled like a drunk guy but uh, tonight also is Astros game 7 with the Dodgers, and uh, I'll tell you what, I mean, living in Houston, I would say, you know, especially, you know, last eight years, you know, this, I mean, for me, this has probably been, this has pretty much been a surreal moment, you know, having your home team in the World Series, and I've, you know, you, you feel good for the, you know, for the people of Houston, because a lot of these people, you know, they're still dealing with a lot of crap from the hurricane, you know, and there's a lot of them that are still living in hotels because they can't move back in their homes yet because their homes are still being repaired. I mean, oh, wait a minute. I mean, that's still going on. You know, I mean, I, have a, I, mean, I have one coworker who's still, I mean, I have two coworkers one still, one's living in his home still. He's just in the process of rebuilding things. You know, most of his home's rebuilt. It's just, you know, now it's his gate and everything. My other co-worker is still rebuilding his home, but he can't live in it yet. I mean, it's been two months. I mean, he's still living in a hotel. Him, him and his wife. And there's a lot of people that are still like that. They're still living in hotels and whatever. I mean, they're still dealing with the same crap. They're still dealing with FEMA insurance, all that, and, you know, and for some, it's going to take months to get their homes back, for some, it's going to take years, and, um, you can say, in this case, one thing that this, uh, Ashes have done is provided a distraction for these people, where they can forget about all that, and they have something to root for, you know, makes them makes them happy, because I mean, I mean, I remember when, uh, I mean, I don't remember, but, you know, my dad lived in the, uh, well, my dad lived in the Pittsburgh in the 70s when the steel industry left, or was, be- or was be- beginning to leave, because, you know, the J&L mill, you know, near Hazelwood closed down, that was, that, you know, that was that part on 2nd Avenue, eventually the rest of the mill would close down you know in the early 80s you had the Duquesne mill closed the Duquesne, which was a humongous steel mill yeah the Duquesne works closed and in the mid 80s you had the Homestead Homestead works closed I mean that was where the freaking strike began 
of all places. So the stewards provide that distraction for a lot of those people. So you hope with uh, with you know we hope with um, with the Astros that you know these people get that same type of feeling. You know I love for them. I mean I love for them to win the World Series, but I, you know I'm not very you know positive about that right now. I mean they had a big opportunity yesterday to uh, close it out and they didn't do it. And everybody everybody thought the game was in the bag. I mean and I sat there and lit. You know, watch the game, and I said, if they don't win this, there's gonna be a lot of crushed people, and maybe not. But the Astros give an amazing run. I mean, they've done pretty much enough. I mean, there's the Texans, there's the Texans, but the Texans really haven't done anything really at all. It's been the same crap. I mean, a bunch of nine seven seasons, and that's about it. So for me, I hope you know. For me, I hope the Ashes pull it off. But anyways, hell to pit, Ghost Rose. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're gonna pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on Auto Trader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> Auto Trader. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. 